Matthew 24, verses 1 to 3. It's our first Bible reading. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one, of, every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You can turn with me again to Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to continue the reading from verse 4 to verse 8. So that's Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. Let's hear from God's word. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is the word of the Lord. First of all, let me bow in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. I was reading that uh, 24th chapter of Matthew recently in my regular readings and I I got to verse uh, 6. I was reading the New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking and it read... You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. And those words, don't panic, jumped off the page at me, they're fresh, alive. They were encouragement for the day. And I asked myself, did Jesus really say those words? For they were very familiar words to me, uh, words that I often use. Perhaps you use them too. When Rose, my wife, is heading out the door for a seminar or shopping, I'll sometimes say, don't panic. (laughs) I think I adopted these words from Lance Corporal Jones. (laughs) I can see that you're familiar or at least perhaps children or younger generations for older people like me, we're familiar with Lance Corporal Jones. He was in an old TV series called Dad's Army. 
And the point was uh, that he had a habit of panicking, usually at the worst time. Although he was the most doddery and the most ancient of the home guard soldiers, somehow he got to drive the truck. So it happened that one dark night while driving somewhere, something happened and Jonesy panicked, as he always did. And when, when panicked, he yelled out to the others, don't panic. And then he opened his door, the driver's door, and jumped out, <laughs> leaving the truck and all the passengers rumbling along driverless. And so ever since I've used that phrase when running late to the plane, balancing a cake or taking a tumble, don't panic. Now, uh, when we read verse 6, and Jesus says to us, don't panic, he talks about things that truly do panic the human heart. He talks about when things that we think are permanent are removed. He says, you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. It was a word for the disciples on that very day. And it's a word for us today. It's a word for when things threat, threaten to overwhelm us. We are not living in Ukraine where a farmer watches helplessly as tanks destroy his crops or a missile strikes their apartments. But we sympathise with them and at the same time we feel less safe. The first thing I'd like to say is that panic is part of our sinful lives. The disciples needed these words for they panicked. They panicked when the boat was sinking. They panicked when Jesus was arrested. And they fled. As I preach to you, I, I don't preach to you as someone who doesn't panic. I do. Now, panic can hit us in big ways or in small ways. When our own boat is sinking or when our heart is affected. It can come out of the blue. An anxious panic it can come after a concussion. It can happen in business or relationships. We can panic in the car, put it in reverse instead of forwards, or I'm the only person <laughs> that might do such a thing. 
When Jesus uh, spoke these words, his disciples were feeling their world was solid and secure. In verse 1, we're told they looked at the temple, Herod's temple, and the other buildings there and, and pointed them out to Jesus. And if you lived back then and were planning your holiday, you could list the tourist hotspots, Egypt, Athens, Rome, Jerusalem. But Jesus wasn't taking much notice of them. In response to the disciples being so impressed with these great buildings, Jesus paid them no attention. In response, he prophesied that these buildings wouldn't last much longer. They would be destroyed. It must have seemed hmm, unbelievable. But it wasn't much later, in the year 70 AD, when they were all torn down and burnt by the Roman army with Titus at their head, Jesus said not one stone will be left on top of another. They burnt the temple, the gold melted, ran into the joints of the stones, and so the soldiers were keen to prise the stones apart, every stone, to retrieve the riches. And some of these disciples sitting there that day with Jesus, they were still alive at the time when that happened. The disciples were puzzled, maybe stunned by Jesus' words, maybe by unbelief that such a thing could happen. And so we read that later that day they asked him about it. Verse 3, tell us. When will all this happen? What sign will signal your return at the end of the world? And that is what led Jesus to the main point. Don't panic. The NIV, as we read today, or as was read to you, translates it, See to it that you are not alarmed. Some of you may be familiar with the good news which reads, You are going to hear the noise of battles close by and the news of battles far away. But do not be troubled. Luke, in his Gospel, uses the very same word in the last chapter of his Gospel when the risen Lord Jesus appears to the gathered disciples and he said, Peace be with you. But Luke tells us that the whole group was panicked. They were troubled. They were alarmed. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? Jesus asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Jesus is talking about the future when he tells his disciples not to be alarmed, not to panic. Why? In the face of 
war and terrors, the unknown, false Christs, natural disasters? What is the foundation for confidence, for calm, for patience and inner peace in the face of all this? It's not so much in what is said, but who said it. In the worst of circumstances, when a mother wraps a child in her arms and says, don't be frightened. It's not about the circumstances. It's all about the mother's love. When the disciples were in the sinking boat, thinking they were going to drown, as Evie Tornquist sang, going down for the last time. It was all about Jesus being with them in the boat. And so our confidence is founded on Jesus, our Lord. In verse 35 of this chapter, chapter 24 of Matthew, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They are dependable, more firm and secure than brick walls, ramparts, fortifications. I don't know your situation, whether you struggle with inner turmoil, with unrest or fear. And Jesus says to you, if you do, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come to him, call out to him, trust him and his peace will outlast the passing away of the earth and the heavens. It will last throughout all eternity. It is yours forever. <coughs> I was watching the Tour de France. It's coming up again. But this was last year. Um, I remember because Simon Clark the Australian, won a stage just by a few inches. He moved to Europe when he was 16 and in that time last year he was 36. And that was probably the highlight of his career. In the interview afterwards, he described those last few hundred metres. He said, you have to bide your time. You pray that the other guys, you know, panic before you do. Sometimes the Christian is in a precious situation, like Simon. He had to stay calm 
in order to, to win. We need to do a similar thing. When panic is shouting at us, we need to keep our focus on Jesus. He told us in the Sermon on the Mount words that will outlast the sun, the moon and the stars. Do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans that is the non-Christians run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Our hearts will be still when our focus is on Jesus. Anxiety, fear, worries sometimes seem to bubble up from the inside. They sometimes can so invade our lives that we can't sleep. We toss and turn and our whole mind and heart are stirred. So if that is your situation, I encourage you to get up, put your dressing gown on and perhaps get a cup of tea and then pray about it. Grab your Bible, turn to a passage like, well, Psalm 23, and pour out your heart to the Lord. You see, it's a, it's a way of changing your attention, turning from those anxieties, troubles, fears, panics, to fix your attention on Jesus as the disciples did in the boat. I remember how those children of Israel in the desert had trouble with snakes. <laughs> I don't know if many of you might remember that story when the children of Israel were travelling from Egypt to Israel and they were in the desert and they were attacked by lots of snakes and the snakes were biting them and they were dying. But uh, Moses held up a rod and they were told if they looked to him then they would be healed. All they had to do was look up. Now, I don't know what you're like with snakes. I know on TV some people are very friendly with snakes. But I'm not very friendly when it comes to a snake. And if I had snakes buzzing around my boots, I would be fully focused on the snakes. But the word of the Lord was to look up. And that's the word of the Lord for us today. It's to look up. 
to the Lord Jesus. So I'm not suggesting a cure-all for your anxiety. What I'm suggesting is a, a, a way of turning your attention on Jesus who hears our prayers and grants us comfort, strength and peace. The more we put into practice turning our eyes upon Jesus, the more his peace will invade our heart and our mind. Another way Jesus' words apply to us is dealing with the past. My memory is not so good nowadays, um, but in other ways it's too good. Mm, my memory unsettles me, it troubles me. Uh, sometimes I'll have the sharpest memory of a time, sometimes back to an earlier day in my life where I've let somebody down or failed to show love. Sometimes uh, when I've thought more of myself than somebody else. So how do I, how do I deal with those failures? Do you, do, you, do you have the same struggle? There may be somebody here that does. There might be a lot more issues to deal with. And so sometimes I've gone to a person to ask forgiveness. Or, or perhaps there is something uh, I've not really faced up to in my life, like gossip or bitterness. But I can give you the bedrock answer to these struggles if you are a believer. When you get back home, turn to another psalm, to Psalm 32 and read. I'll give you the first verse. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Jesus is the only one who has the power to forgive sin. If you put your faith in him, your slate is wiped clean. 1 day I was standing with a couple of my companions Christians, we were outside a Muslim uh, museum. It was very popular. And my friends started to talk to a young Muslim man about the museum and about the day, about his life, and he was very zealous, very zealous for God, very zealous for a good life, but like many young men, he had sins. And he said, I have one problem. There's no forgiveness of my sin. What can I do? Well, what an amazing question to ask a Christian. So my friend said, Jesus can forgive sin. For him it was like a flash of lightning from the sky for his life. Accusations may come your way 
uh, from your memory, from someone else, from the devil. But every failure of yours is forgiven, every sin cast away. When you face the past, when it suddenly invades the present, Jesus says, don't panic. You are forgiven. So can you see uh, these disciples with Jesus up on the Mount of Olives with his disciples as he talked with them about these things? In the distance, across the valley, those magnificent buildings lie spread out before them. Those buildings that they'd been so impressed with but Jesus wasn't. Jesus wouldn't have been a good tourist guide. <laughs> but he's a guide for life. He's a guide for your heart. And the disciples, they are totally engaged with Jesus, trying to understand, trying to absorb. They're so slow, aren't they? When you read the Gospels, those disciples, they are so slow. And you know, that's for me one of the greatest encouragements for my Christian life, because I'm so slow. They struggle. Lord, what do you mean they're going to be knocked down? What they found was great confidence in Jesus. We live by faith because Jesus will never fail us or forsake us. We need not panic in our troubles, nor in a world gone crazy. Not even, as Jesus said, if a war descends upon us. Because we have come to know the King, the King of peace, the King of your heart, the King who is so close, closer to you than a brother, the King of all eternity. Let's take a moment in prayer before we sing. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, we confess that like the disciples, we panic. And sometimes over the smallest thing. Lord, uh, your words are lifesavers for us. And we ask that you would help us to grow in them. Help our trust in you to grow so that we'll be better prepared when a storm hits. And Lord, I pray especially this day for those who suffer that panic attack, who are swamped with worries. Oh Lord, we pray together that your peace will fill their heart in their mind, in their present situation, in their life.
grant your guidance in the situation. Teach and strengthen them in prayer as we pray for ourselves. And gift them, Lord, a friend to share with. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.